Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Steve, and joining me again this week is my special guest co-host, Dwaylen. Say hi, Dwaylen. Hey, guys. How you doing? Yep. And we had so much fun last week. We decided try it again. And Kyle was uh, he he actually enjoyed the show last week. He's still on vacation, like he said, parts okay. unknown. You know, but yeah, he's uh, vacation with the family, joins from downtime. So, but he did say he enjoyed the show. So. Awesome. Um, so we did good. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> um, so this week we're going to be discussing the Great American Bash. Uh, really, it's origins, and from what Dwell and I were just talking about, really the first one to probably be the brunt of our conversation. You know, the majority of it, because um, that one was a good one. But before we uh, start getting into that, I want to go ahead and get our give our contact and listing info. I'm having trouble speaking today, apparently. Um, if you want to email us about any kind of suggestions whether it be feedback, any kind of show suggestions, anything like that, anything, just say hi. Uh, it's armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on facebook.com uh, slash armchairbookingpodcast. You can find us on Twitter at bookingarmchair. We have a YouTube channel, which has no videos on it right now that are <laughs> public anyway. Um, maybe when once we do this, Dwayne, since we're once again recording this on Zoom, when we get videos and we feel that we're good enough to get on uh, put it for yep. public view. We can do that. Yeah. Um, you can find us on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music, and of course, Block Talk Radio, because that's who hosts us. And as of yesterday, Joy, I know you got the notice today. We are now on Instagram. Yep. I got that earlier yep. today. Yep. Yep. So uh, move it up in the world. Yeah, so <laughs> we're hitting, <laughs> hitting all the social media. Um, so before we really get into it, um, I do want to give some bad news first. I don't know if you hear about this, but the wife of Bobby Eaton uh, unfortunately passed away a couple of days ago. Oh, no, I didn't yep. hear about that. Yep. Wife of Bobby Eaton and she's uh, the daughter of Bill Dundee. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, she she had been sick for a while. I guess it was cancer, you know. So, yeah, everybody kind of definitely keep them in your thoughts and prayers. And uh, you remember Chris Youngblood? Yes, yeah. I did see on I did see on Twitter that he had passed away. Yep. Um, yeah, part of the he was probably the lesser known of the young bloods because he yeah. was Mark and Jay. Um, but it doesn't take away his talent and you know, he would definitely be missed uh, in the wrestling world. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and I can't think of any any more bad news, thankfully. Uh so but you you texted me about some of the um more exciting news last night. Yeah, um I saw on Twitter, like my Twitter feed was like going crazy because um, Aleister Black from, you know, formerly of WWE um, debuted in AEW last night. He um, hit the black mass on Arn Anderson and Cody Rhodes um, and the crowd went nuts. It was like it was a really good way to debut him. And he's going to from what I understand, he's going by Malachi Black. Malachi, uh, which is a really good name. Yeah. And, but the interesting thing is, um, most people thought that he was still under a 90 day non-compete clause. Cause that's a standard non-compete clause for WWE, but NXT talent only has a 30 day, no compete clause. When he was moved to the main roster, nobody adjusted that in his contract to reflect the, the 90 day no compete clause that the main roster guys had. So when he was released, 
it was still in his contract that he only had to wait 30 days to debut for another company. 30 days is up. So he debuted last night. So I think AEW is going to be a good fit for him. I think he'll be able to do a lot more of what fans of his know that he's capable of doing. He's not so much in NXT. He was able to do a lot that he was that got him to the dance right. so to speak but once he got to the main roster it's like as with almost every other nxt talent he got watered down and misused so i think AEW will be a good fit for him oh i believe so too because the man's got a lot of talent and he's uh, legit he's a striker yeah and he's just got that presence you know they yeah. always talk about you know vince mcmahon always talks about wrestlers having that charisma and that presence he has that quiet charisma where it's just like everybody's attention is on him as soon as he walks in the building yeah and the i guess you know if you want to say the character the image he um he was kind of showing in the wwe was that basically of somebody who's into black metal yes and well yeah. that's that's him i mean if you read about him yeah. look at his tattoos, Absolutely. i mean that that is him yeah um and black metal i don't know if you've ever listened to it um, I, I haven't really listened to it, um, but I know he's I know he's big in the black metal, and I know Chris Jericho is in the black metal. Really? Yes. Okay. Um, that just surprised me. I mean, Jericho is Jericho. I mean, he's the ultimate. Um, <clears throat> you know, as far as like personalities go, and we did a, a podcast. We actually did a two part podcast talking about Jericho and all the stuff he's involved with, and he excels at everything. And that includes he's a bona fide rock star. Yeah, you know, so yeah. and I know, so he hangs out with a lot of um, well, other rock stars and metal, metal stars. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, that and uh, the black metal, so especially the stuff coming out of Norway. I mean, it actually has its own, you know, history and story, and not necessarily good stuff, you know. Yeah. But um, you know, in America, we had the East Coast, West Coast when it came to rap. Well, Norway, yeah. you know, they had well, it was actually Norway and Sweden of all things. Norway had had black metal sweden had death metal and for some reason they just weren't getting along you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know so but when they were like burning churches and things like that it was getting a little bit too far and, and yeah yeah that's that's way too far yeah i mean it's some interesting stories but yeah but that um they've toned that down now but he really is into the music and um and that kind of lifestyle um and it, it actually kept him from going to saudi when they did those shows over there the saudi government yes. Yep, they yep. were like, nope. Yeah, between yeah, between that and like his uh, like they didn't like his tattoos. And, right. You know, so, some some of the iconography that's on his, you know, that's tattooed on him, they didn't like and they wouldn't allow, so he didn't go. Right. And and of course the kind of flip side of him joining AEW is his wife, uh Thea Trinidad, also known as Lena Vega rejoined wwe what last friday or the friday before yeah she did she like re-debuted on smackdown just this past friday and it's like i mean just i don't understand the time frame i know that that she was apparently given an apology by upper brass and wwe but i don't know i just can't make sense of you know him leaving and her coming back within like a few weeks of each other right it, it's so bizarre and because when she left i mean it created a huge stir uh, yeah. especially some of the stuff she was tweeting well she's deleted those tweets now oh you know so uh, i wonder if that was part of the agreement with her coming back 
Maybe, and maybe, because um, I know she was she was really talking about that there should be uh, some sort of union in professional wrestling, which I I agree because I don't think I don't feel like, especially the lower tier guys, I don't feel like that they're treated fairly when they're working as much, if not more, than the upper level, the, you know the the main event echelon. Or right. the part-time guys who come in and work, you know, the Lesners who work a handful of dates a year and make six, seven million dollars. And you've got the lower tier guys that are making, you know, down, downside guarantee of, you know, half a million dollars, which is, you know, half a million dollars is amazing money for you and I. But when you're putting your body on the line like that 300 days a week, three, 300 days a year, well, half a million dollars is not that much for what they have to do, especially since they have to pay for their own travel, their own lodgings, things like that. Cause the company doesn't cover any of that anymore. They, they did so many cutbacks. Yeah. I don't even think it's half a million. It may be, a, um, it, I was thinking quarter of a million, but then not too long ago, I actually looked up, um, what the salaries were since they're a publicly traded company, that stuff's supposed to be available right. to the public. I was actually very shocked to find out I actually make more money uh, with my combined, all my combined income right? between my actual job, my military retirement, my military disability. I actually make more money than a couple, not, not many of them, obviously, you know, but like Tamina, Tamina right. only, she only makes like 60,000 a year. Oh, wow. Yeah, really i was shocked i was like are you got to be kidding me it's like why would you put your body through that right. why, I mean, the time away from your family the wear and tear on your body the mental stress that you know they're all under why would you do that for 60 grand a year right and one thing you didn't mention insurance yeah they, they get they no yeah they get no they insurance. Get insurance because they're they're still even in 2021, they're still considered independent contractors. Well, my thing is, if, if you're an independent contractor, then how can you be signed to a contract that gives you all these rules that you have to follow and you can't make any kind of like the whole thing with Twitch and you know all the third party things that wrestlers were doing to supplement their income on their own time. And WWE put a stop to it because they had to put their hand in the wrestlers pockets right with and they were using their own legal name not even well, they weren't using wwe right. name they were I, using I, their own name yeah i get it if they were using the the name like if they turned out if she was using the name zelina vega to cash in right you know, um or even what's another example of somebody uh, like page yeah like page. Page. yeah page wasn't page was using her actual name uh, the same with uh, Xavier Woods. He was using his real name, Austin Creed. Right. You know, on his Twitch. But WWE, just my opinion, just the greedy company that they are, saw an opportunity to make a little more money off wrestlers that they're already making millions off of every single day. Right. And that's why... Um... We've we've discussed this before, um, definitely in private. I think we also discussed it last week. Where I think they're getting ready to sell. Um, uh, I think the same thing. I think they're liquidating 
all yeah. the assets they can to make it, to make it to make the company appear more profitable to potential buyers. Right, and the one thing that um, kind of concerns me about that is NBC would actually be a prime candidate since they already put the WWE Network on Peacock. Yeah. Um, but then we may run into the situation kind of like what WCW, um, the re one, well, one of the many, many reasons why WCW lost the war eventually was because they were just part of a television company. Yeah. They were part of a conglomerate and they had non-wrestling people telling wrestlers how to, how to do a wrestling company. Right. And whereas the WWF WWE was a wrestling company, uh, well, wrestling company that had created some movie companies you know, on the side, but right. by and large, they were a wrestling company. That was their bread and butter. Right. And so that's what they were focused on. They weren't focused on necessarily on the ratings because that's what WCW was focused on. The rating. Well, WWF was focusing on we're business. Yeah. We're, we have to make money in order to, to stay afloat. Right. Um, so, but one of the things that is now part of WWE uh, more specifically, WWE NXT is the Great American Bash. Yep. And do you remember when in the, when they had the very first one back in 1985? Yes, yes. Um, I, wa I wanted to go see. I never saw any of them, even though uh, the first one was actually held in Charlotte. Uh, yeah. I think I read July 6, 1985. Yeah, it was at um, American Legion Memorial Stadium. Yes, it was at the right. stadium. And I... Um, I remember everything just about leading up to it. And I was actually making notes today when I was uh, researching in between actually, you know, doing work, work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, but to me, I think, and, cause I'm, I think this was also a dusty creation. Yes. yes um, it was. And dusty created Starcade. Yeah. And to me, this was like his, um, summer version i guess of starcade because at the time starcade was the only if you want to call it the pay-per-view and they'd only had two of them they had 83 and 84 right and it was on closed circuit tv so right. it wasn't it wasn't nationally available like it would become later right and this right here i mean this could be almost like a precursor to SummerSlam. yeah yep yep so um but he created this big event outdoors in the stadium sure because i mean i guess he was expecting a huge crowd and i don't you know what I, I don't think i actually looked and see what the um the attendance was <laughs> and i'm actually uh oh okay i was still on the article i just accidentally <laughs> got off of it on wikipedia which wikipedia actually has a couple of um bad information on there um uh, let me and they don't have an actual article just on the very first one um no you know this part of like the overall article um i know that venue seats um uh, people but i don't know what okay. the I don't know what that attendance was. Wow, that's actually kind of small for an outdoor stadium. Yeah. Well, I wonder, is that the baseball stadium? Not sure. It's 
No, it's looking looking more like a football stadium. Huh. Because the Crockett's, they own the minor league team in Charlotte. So it would also make kind of make sense if they had it at their stadium. But um, but it doesn't sound like they did that. No, because that was the the Memorial State, the American Legion Memorial Stadium was the was Charlotte's largest outdoor stadium until the uh, Bank of America Stadium was ah, built okay. in '96 for the Panthers. Right. Right. Okay. <clears throat> um, and Dusty, I'll have to give Dusty some credit because the man did have vision. Yeah. You know, because one of the things he also had, um, well, I'll, I'll give Dusty, I guess, partial credit for his vision. He envisioned, hey, we'll have, you know, musical acts. We'll have a concert before, bring more fans in. It's like, who are you going to have? David Allen Coe. And I said, who? Yeah. I saw that <laughs> like, I'm like, that, that's, that wouldn't have been my first pick if I no. <laughs> I mean, and even back then, I was thinking, who the heck is David Allen Coe? And then I found out, okay, he's a country outlaw country guy. And then later on, years later, found out, oh, he's um, a little different. <laughs> Just yeah, like that. Yeah. I, I don't, I, he shouldn't have flown then. It definitely wouldn't fly now. No, no. No, very controversial guy, which I really don't want to get into. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I know you know what I'm talking about. But if anybody's listening, you want to go look him up, yeah. look him up. Yeah. Um, I have to give the man credit. I mean, he's got some seriously long hair and a seriously long beard, you know, and he actually did time in prison, you know, so I guess that makes him legit to be an outlaw country. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess, but it wouldn't have made me want to watch the show anymore. And I don't think it, it, no. would have... it wouldn't have made me want to travel. If I lived outside of Charlotte, it's that, that... David Allen Coe is not going, wasn't going to make me right. You know, put gas in my car and travel to Charlotte to see the show. Right. And you were living in Hoptown at the time, weren't you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a good 13, 14 hour drive for you. Right. Right. And David Allen Coe is definitely not uh, going to entice me for a 13 hour drive. Right. And I think that was where Dusty caught, you know, he, he couldn't have the five-star vision. He had the, a vision of this. Okay, now the implementation of it is where he kind of yeah wasn't as great. And that's a that was a lot of things with Dusty. I mean, he 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 was a genius. He had a great mind for the business, but sometimes his sometimes the idea was better than the product that actually got implemented. Right. Um, and I think Mick Foley actually talked about that in his first book. Um, he said that, you know, Dusty had this idea. Yeah, we could have a movie about Magnum CA's life. And Mick thought about it. Okay. That makes sense. You know, he, uh, this tragic story, this wrestler who was going to be the world champion. Yeah. And then he was in this car wreck. And then he said, and we'll have Sally field, you know, play his wife and Magnum TA or Tom Selleck play Magnum TA. It's like, what you, what <laughs> you, yeah. so yeah. So he was already, yeah, it just, didn't make a you know the first part of it made sense and then he should have just stopped there and let yeah. somebody else yeah. you know pick up the heavy lifting after that he should have, he should have had the idea and then gave it to somebody who could have molded it into something else instead of dusty tried to go way too hollywood at times when 
the business just wasn't ready for that yet. Right. And not only was he trying to go Hollywood, but Dusty, um, JR, he's talked about a lot on his podcast. And when he's done, been on other people's podcasts, Dusty was a huge Western fan. Yeah. And so everything he did, like the, like movie wise, uh, and this probably included David Allen Coe. Oh, probably. Was, yeah. Yeah. He given, was leaning, given his background. Yeah, probably. And so he was leaning towards like making like Western. That's why he always had the bunkhouse matches, which he always yeah. won, you know, right. <laughs> but, um, but the card itself, um, some of the stuff that I remember, this was flair was still a face. Yes. In yeah. mid Atlantic anyway, everywhere else he was a heel, but in mid Atlantic, he was a face. Yeah. yeah. And this is when they were really pushing Nikita Nikita had not even been in the business a year yet. I don't think. And really? yeah, I mean, I, when Nikita, um, when, you know, we were talking last week about when he was accompanying, um, Ivan and Don Cranoodle, uh, when they were the tag champs. And so he was just with them. He was just this silent, you know, guy. He said, Oh, it's Ivan's nephew, Nikita. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, didn't know his name was actually Scott Simpson from Minnesota, but you know, it was. <laughs> he legally changed it to Nikita and learned Russian. I mean, I know you've heard the stories about him yeah. Russian even around the boys until yeah. he got told to knock it off. <laughs> yeah. You know, Arne Anderson, I guess, said, Hey, cue ball. We know you speak English. <laughs> so, um, but this um, Nikita, how they kind of, I guess, coerced Flair into uh, signing this match was David Crockett was interviewing Ivan and Nikita. And Crockett said something that made Nikita mad. So Nikita laid the sickle on David Crockett. Oh, okay. And I remember that. And I was like, he, did, he just did it to an announcer <laughs> and you know of course that's when flair um he came out he said you know david crockett's one of my best friends he was on the plane crash with me which he was yeah and you know that's when they pushed for the match and and of course that was um to me i had always thought that was the main event that was the headlining match uh because yeah yeah because yeah. it was for the world title right, right. But it was actually Dusty and Tully right. for the TV title in the cage. And part of me says, well, that's Dusty going, I'm going to be in the main event. But then the other part of me says, well, when they had cage matches back then, the cage matches were always last. Yeah. Yeah. Cage match was always last. And honestly, I think generally I'm the type that your world title match should be the final match because yeah. – as far as business goes, there's nothing bigger than the world title. Right. But for that, that was the hottest feud that they had at the time. And it was pretty hot. And yeah. And everybody, everybody was wanting Dusty to beat Tully. Yeah. And Tully, Tully had already has, had always said, I've seen interviews of his and he said, he said, my job was to get people so infuriated that they would pay money to leave their house to see somebody beat me up. He's like, and if that, if, if I could get walk into arena and see people and, you know, people are booing and, you know, chanting for the baby face to beat me, then I've done my job. And they definitely, Tully definitely did his job because I mean, he was the, 
the top heel at the moment at that time. And, you know, fans were just loving Dusty and they were all about Dusty being Tully. I mean, I admit back then I hated Tully. I hate him, you know, 11, 12 year old me hated Tully with a purple passion. Yeah. I wanted to see somebody just beat him down. And, and so I was glad Dusty won that. And the other stipulation that was baby doll became Dusty's valet for 30 days. Yeah. And then in that 30 days, she ended up turning face and staying with Dusty and managing him and, um, um magnum ta later down the line the wikipedia article said that but then i was like mm, they need to actually go back a little bit because during the 30 days at one point she dressed up um like a cop or a security guard i, I remember and, that yeah yes came down handed tully whatever and where he he beat magnum for the u.s title yeah and that's yeah. what set up the i quit match at Starcade 85 and she was still with Tully at Starcade 85. Yeah. You know, so whoever did that on the Wikipedia article, that was one of the things I was like, uh, ah, not quite because I think it was it was probably about a month or so after Starcade 85 where uh JJ sent her on the trip to Acapulco and you know That's right. And, and then Tully <laughs> that's right. And then Tully slapped her and then Dusty came out to defend her. Right. After the yeah. Uh, and then he said, this is my property. I'm like, man, you couldn't yeah, say that back like, then. What? Are you, what? Even, yeah, even back then, it's like, no, no. no, that's no. Not- <laughs> and baby does like, that's right. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> no, that's not how that works. That, uh, oh, 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 Lord. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dusty, seriously, this is not a Western, man. I mean, okay, yeah, yeah. you're protecting her. Okay, stop right there. Just, just don't say any word. Yeah, stop right property. There. Oh, he said, oh, no, he said it. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, but after that, and that was actually a common, I guess, stipulation for matches across the territories. Cause I remember that happened in yeah. world class with, uh, sunshine when she was yeah. a heel, yeah. um, when she was actually with Jimmy Garvin and they had that stipulation and she had to, she and Jimmy Garvin had to come work on David Von Erich's ranch for 30 days or whatever. Um, and so baby doll, I mean, this is when she, she was actually in world class before mid Atlantic, so she may have gotten the idea from that and maybe brought it in and said, Hey, let's you know do this, it'll add some you know a little, little bit different um dynamic to it. And then it was Dusty had the TV title, um, and this is when, like I said, Flair was the face, but Arn was already there in mid Atlantic, and he and Ole were already teaming together. And yeah, because they were they were called the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Yep. They uh, they wrestled. Uh, they defended the national tag team titles against uh, Dick Slater and Buzz Sawyer. Yes. At the first Great American Bash. Yes. And it was just two months, three months later is when they started the riot in the Omni. Yeah. Because Flair yeah. was against Nikita in the cage, and Dusty saved him, and Flair had already told him, stay out of my business. And yep. and they locked the cage door, broke Dusty's leg. Uh, Arn said that they thought they were just going to sashay out of the cage. And walk, <laughs> like, he said, and it took us 30 minutes to walk 40 yards to the dressing room. Yeah. 
he said he said fans were literally he's like he said it was scary he's like fans were literally you know out for blood oh they were they were climbing the cage yeah trying to get to them and i know that's hard for i guess modern day wrestling fans to understand but i mean it was it was very real to me and i know it was very real to you especially the ages we were at the time right you know um and because you could actually believe okay this guy just turned on his friend and had his other friends help him break the guy's leg yeah you know, yeah i mean you would be pretty pretty heated oh, <laughs> about yeah. it and you know so it was kind of a scary thing to be a heel back then because arms actually talked about it on his podcast he actually got cut with a um was a hawkbill knife in oh a, really yeah like in not that night but another card yeah somebody got him in the back Oh yeah, he said he didn't even realize it because he didn't stop. He felt something. Didn't really yeah. come back, and he said, "Fortunately, they got him at the the fattiest part um, of him, and so it didn't do as much damage." Oh, okay. Yeah, but it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but now, um, one of the things also that well, with not having territories anymore they had some a little bit of cross promotion going with world-class and with the AWA for this card, because uh, they had Kamala. He came in and wrestled Magnum TA. Yep. It was a U.S. title match. Yep. And yep. And um, I'm thinking, I don't think Magnum could beat Kamala. He's mean and he's scary. And, you know, then, <laughs> um, and then if you ever heard interviews with Kamala before he passed away, he was actually like one of the nicest people you'd ever meet. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I always read about him that he was kind of like Vader. It was like, he was just this, you know, this beast in the ring, but then like a teddy bear outside. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could say a sugar bear. Cause that was yeah. his name before Kamala. <laughs> um, but one of the funniest interviews I think I heard with about with him was um, he was interviewing with, with Stone Cold on his podcast. And he said that one of the things about him wearing the face paint and the costume, you know, the basically the just a loincloth, <laughs> but the, yeah. you know, yeah. it that was the only thing he was wearing because um, he, he actually wrestled barefoot too. Yeah. And he said that he could actually go to like local stores and, you know, just dressed regular. Nobody ever recognized him. That's true. Cause without, I mean, without the loincloth and the face paint, you wouldn't know who he was. Right. And, you know, and he was also talking about um, the first time he did a leapfrog, he didn't think he could do it. And Carrie Von Eric was the one who said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to come off the ropes, come at you. You do a leapfrog. He's like, I've never done that, Carrie. He said, no, trust me. You'll be fine. Just jump. And I'll go under you. And he said he jumped up and Carrie went under him and he was so surprised he forgot what he was supposed to do next. <laughs> so, and for all we've heard about Carrie, he probably forgot too because you know what other reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, seeing Kamala and going against Magnum, and I'm pretty sure they probably uh had matches um before when they were uh, I'm I'm gonna guess they were both in mid-south at the same time. Cause that's where, yeah, because that's where Magnum had come from was Mid-South and before he went to Mid-Atlantic and Kamala had been in Mid-South and then he had moved to World Class. Um, and and then and he came up there for this car's promotion. So now they had um, Mid-Atlantic and World Class. Now, I will actually go back and check because if it wasn't World Class, it was uh, Mid-South. But I'm going to say it was World Class because Skandor Akbar was with him. Yep. 
And then with AWA, they had the Road Warriors against the Russians. And it was actually, and the Wikipedia article doesn't mention this. It was a tag title versus tag title match. Oh, really? Yeah, the Road I Warriors. Just, I thought it was just for the NWA tag titles. Yeah, uh, yeah, because the article, they, it doesn't even mention them uh, even being in the AWA at the time. And but yeah, they were the AWA tag champs, and of course the Russians were the NWA tag champs, and so it was title versus title. But of course, we know those matches always ended in a draw, double disqualification. This one ended in a double yeah. disqualification, and you know that's the way it should because I mean they're all beating each other up, and yeah. And I think everybody was just happy to see the Road Warriors come back, even if it was just for a day, right? And yeah, well, some of the other other matches on that card. Uh, let's right. see. Yeah, you probably have it right uh, in front of it, don't you? Yeah. Had uh, Ron Bass against Buddy Landell. Uh, that had to have been not long after Ron Bass turned face. And then, of course, we already talked about the Wrecking Crew versus Sawyer and Slater. Uh, there was a six-man tag. Uh, Abdullah the Butcher was on that show. Um, it was Superstar Billy Graham. Conga, the Barbarian, and Abdullah the Butcher versus Manny Fernandez, Sam Houston, and Buzz Tyler. I don't remember Buzz Tyler. I remember everybody else in that in that match. Um, I remember seeing them, you know, wrestle in other matches, but I don't I don't recall Buzz Tyler. Um, Buzz Tyler, he may have been the Mid Atlantic champion at this time. Um, I I definitely remember Avalanche Buzz Tyler. Okay. Yep. Um, in fact, not this, not Starcade 85, but Starcade 84, he and the assassin, the assassin actually turned face of, you know, who to thunk it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The assassin turned face and of course was fighting against Paul Jones and he and Buzz Tyler were a tag team against the Zambui Express, who we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. Um, by the way, the other one besides Ray Candy, he had gone by the name Big Bad Leroy Brown. Okay. Yeah, okay. and, and he may have been the baddest man in the whole damn town. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I better stop. <laughs> we'll both be singing. <laughs> um, but they were in an elimination tag team match against Zambui Express, and Buzz Tyler was eliminated, but then he came back, and uh, you can find footage of it. I think it's when they sh they have like the highlight reel the highlight vignette of it the assassin and one of the zambuis had collided and zambui whichever one went down and the assassin kind of flopped against the ropes well buzz tyler came back and pushed him and so he <laughs> fell on him and pinned him you know so um but the funny thing about well and i'm getting back to buzz tyler real quick he was a middle late champion and then him and dusty um they started having some disagreements about something probably about pay because that's what probably usually you know because dusty was running things and then buzz tyler just left with the belt <laughs> with, with the mid-atlantic belt <laughs> and and he was from uh rock hill south carolina uh well where i lived in north carolina i was i could pick up some stations from south carolina mm -hmm. i saw him on a a car lot commercial holding oh. holding the belt and they referred to him as the mid-atlantic champion oh and wow I'm, yeah and i'm thinking what's going on okay i haven't seen him on tv in a while is he still the champ okay but no they're having a tournament 
but he's got no, the belt. Yeah, but he's got the belt. Um, and there's still referred. Yeah, of course. Now, here it is. You know, almost forty years later, or thirty. Yeah. We'll say thirty-five years later. Doesn't sound as bad. And now we know what happened. And now, you know, right. once we've start to read about the politics of it, and this article actually doesn't mention all um, that superstar Billy Graham and the Barbarian. I never once heard WCW or Mid Atlantic ever call him Conga the Barbarian. It was always just the Barbarian. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, Every magazine referred to him as Conga the Barbarian. What? No, it's just the Barbarian. Of course, yeah. there was another wrestler, I think, um, in the AWA was John Nord. He called himself Nord the Barbarian. Of course, later on, he became the Berserker. Um, right, right. But they were all managed by Paul Jones. So I don't why, know why they didn't mention, you know, a company by Paul Jones, because he was part of their army at the time. Yeah. Um. And then, of course, the next match, Jimmy Valiant, the Woogie Woogie Man, he was my favorite wrestler at the time. Yeah, the dog collar match with Paul Jones. Yep. Um, and, you know, of course, we were talking about the, the Russians and the Road Warriors. Um, and, of course, double disqualification, like you'd expect. Yeah. Um, Magnum beating Kamala by disqualification, which... I don't mind that as much now. Um, I know like some people like Tony Schiavone, he hates disqualification finishes. You know, I heard him say it like either yesterday or today on, um, on uh, his podcast. Cause, and they were actually discussing great American bash in 1986. Right. You know, so um, he said, uh, but he said, sometimes it does make sense at uh, this one right here, because Kamala was this big monster heel. Of course, he's going to start chopping and beating people up to get disqualified because he doesn't care. Right. You know, he's a or monster. Be, he doesn't care. Or can't be controlled or whatever. Right. You know? um, and it's saying with uh, Flair and, and Nikita, um, with David Crockett was a special referee because Nikita had hit him with the sickle. Yeah. Right. Um, and after the match, uh, for some reason, I was thinking that uh, Flair beat him, but it, I thought it was also about disqualification. I don't think he he outright pinned him or anything like that. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at it. But after the match, of course, they sickled David Crockett again. Um, and he was probably thinking, you know what? I, I'm supposed to be a, a commentator and I work behind the scenes. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm, not <laughs> I'm not taking these moves. <laughs> no, there'll be, there'll be better enough of that. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I have, I'm one of the owners of this company, <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, but they also, um, Ivan held up flair and Nikita came off the top rope with the chain and uh, lined him like that. Um, and then of course, you know, we come to, uh, the main event, you know, Dusty and Tully with baby doll and baby doll goes with Dusty, you know, for 30 days. But, um, yeah, but that was the first one And Dusty, they said, you know what, this is so successful next year. Let's take it on the road. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they did, they did, uh, 13, 13 different cities. They had bashes bashes in yep and um shivani's podcast right now they're, they're actually going all the way through 86 and they're they're looking like every single 
like worldwide wrestling um, that was on that year. And cause some of the oh, episodes wow. are, yeah. And some of the episodes are, they're going to watch along. I'm thinking, I remember watching this when it was on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those exact episodes. I'm like, Oh, wow. You know, so it's kind of making me feel like a kid, but this summer I definitely remember uh, because flair was defending his title against somebody different in every single event. Yep. Yep. And they were going to all these cities. Um, and with them being based mostly around North Carolina, and I still didn't see any of them, but they, they weren't just staying in the Southeast. I mean, cause Philadelphia ain't in the Southeast and neither, right. you know, Charleston, West Virginia, uh, you're kind of pushing it, you know, some, um, Cincinnati, believe me, Cincinnati definitely ain't part of the Southeast. <laughs> no, um, they think they are, but believe me, you, you see so many UK bumper stickers and shirts and flags and everything during basketball season. Football oh, wow. season, yeah, football season, they're all about Ohio State. Now, you have some who are uh, who are Bearcat fans regardless. Right. You know, so, um, yeah, but, yeah, trust me, a lot of, lot of U.K. stuff. It, it'd drive you nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, because I know you're a rebel born and raised in Kentucky. U.K., forget them, which goes against, yeah. like, goes against the Commonwealth law, which says, you know, you have to um, yeah. care for U.K. Or actually, you know what? Since you went to Louisville for a little bit, you go. Now, I do. I do still follow Louisville because I did go to school there. But right, it's it's always Tar Heels first, though. Yes, absolutely. We know God's a Tar Heel. Sky's yeah. blue. <laughs> but anyway, um, but yeah, they went to you know Jacksonville, Florida, which yeah, south southeast. Once you get hit Florida, all of a sudden it's weird how you're no longer in the south, even though you're going geographically. Yeah. You know it. Um, yeah, but then, um, you know, some of the other ones, yeah, I guess we're in the Southeast places of Virginia, other, you know, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Johnson city, Tennessee, Norfolk, Virginia, Greensboro, and in Atlanta. Um, but that was the year that they had the best of seven with Magnum and Nikita for the U S title. That's right. Yep. I remember that. Cause that's like. I think that best of seven is kind of what it was like the blueprint for the um, Booker T, Chris Benoit best of seven yes. many years ago, you know, many years later over the uh, television title. Right. And that one, of course, um, speaking of people like punching officials, um, when Magnum when they had the contract signing, which, you know, now every time they have a contract signing, you know, something's going to kick off. Yeah. Somebody's going to the table. And, yeah. yeah. Um, well, of course, Nikita brought Ivan. Well, Magna brought his mom because in real life, yeah. he and his mom, you know, his mom actually passed away a few years ago, but they were, they were actually really close. Mm-hmm. So he brought his mom to the contract sign. And of course, Ivan and Nikita, why you bring your mother in Russia? We don't, what are you little mama's boy? Yeah. And, <laughs> And yeah, the Canadian guy, you know, who's playing the Russian was saying that along with the Minnesota guy who's playing the Russian. Right. Yeah, you know, there's only been like one real almost Russian I can think of. That was like Vladimir Kozlov a few years ago, and he's from Ukraine. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> he's from the Ukraine, not actually from Russia. So yeah. You know, um, but Magnum came across the table and attacked Nikita. Well, Bob Geigel was the NWA president at the time and 
he came and talked to Magnum and he said, you know, um, he said, Magnum, that's unacceptable. I'm going to reprimand you. And he's like, hold on. What would you say about your mother? He said, no, I'm still going to reprimand you. And Magnum said, well, reprimand this. And he turned back, clock. And he clocked Bob Geigel. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, like that's, that, that wasn't a good idea. Yeah. And so that's when they stripped him of the title and then they set up the best of seven thing, um, which, you know, Nikita won the first three matches, Magnum won the next three. And of course, then they had the, the seventh match. And of course, Nikita won eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we looking in hindsight now, we know they were setting Magnum up for the world title um, probably at Starcade that year. Yeah, I think so. Because I remember Flair had said in an interview that he, that was Magnum was the person he was supposed to, you know, he was scheduled to drop the title to. Right. And because um, Magnum got in the car wreck, I believe it was October of that year. And, yeah, that was one of the things um, my mom woke me up and, you know, to tell me about it because it, yeah. was, it was all over the news. I mean, of course, it was, you know, local for us. But, yeah, it was right. the news that, you know, uh, freshman wrestler Magnum T.A. had um, – he had wrecked his Porsche. Yeah, he had, it, he had, they, they actually showed later on he was not speeding, but he hit some uh, water and he slid into the telephone pole. And, right. Um, and they said they don't know. I mean, he's still in critical condition. Uh, they don't know if he's going to live, much less walk. Probably definitely you never wrestle again. Well, they, they had then later on they said, yeah, he's going to live, but he, he's probably not going to walk again. Well, he did walk. He never wrestled again, though, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this is where I also got to give Dusty credit. When that happened, they turned Nikita face like almost instantly. And that was like one of the biggest shocks, you know, uh, the wrestling world of the time was here's Nikita Cola. He and Magnum, you know, just a month earlier were fighting, you know, trying to kill each other over the U.S. title. Well, now Magnum is in a real life car accident. Yeah. And Nikita said, I had earned a lot of respect for him during, during the title match of Shatoata. And you know, that was his favorite thing, Shatoata, which apparently means nothing. Yeah. And, <laughs> but, um, and that's when Nikita went against Flair that year at Starcade uh, for the world yeah. title. Yeah. He started chasing Flair for the title. Yep. Um, but that's that summer during the bash, that's when Dusty finally beat Flair for the title. Yeah. And of course it was in a cage because apparently all title changes during that time were happening in cages. Yeah. It and seemed like all like title matches were in a cage at, um, uh, great American bash 86. Like the main event was flair versus Ricky Morton. And it was a steel cage match. in a cage. <laughs> and when, and when dusty beat flair, it was in a cage. Yeah. When dusty beat Tully, it was in a cage. And, yep. You know, uh, when, when flair, uh, beat Ronnie Garvin to take the title back, it was in a cage at Starcade. Yep. And not only that, but when Ronnie Garvin beat flair, it was in a cage. Yep. And, and we can even go back. Magnum beat, um, Wahoo McDaniel for the U.S. title in a cage. Um, yeah, the NWA definitely like their cage matches. Yep, they say, "What people like them? Let's keep on putting them on there." But they they used them right though because there was always then it was like the cage match was the blow off to right. the feud. 
once you had the cage match, whoever whoever won, you know, whoever won and lost, that feud was over, and each of them moved on to something else. It's not like today where you have a cage match just to spike a rating. Right. And, yeah, the hot shot and, hey, fellas, Raw just had the worst rating ever. Yeah, in the history of that in show. In the history of the show. Yeah. Maybe a lot of back off some. Yeah. You know, you need to think about think about what you're doing and use the spirit of dusty. Of course you can't because, you know, both his sons now work for AEW. In fact, one of his sons is one of the top executives at AEW. Yep. And if y'all had treated him better, maybe he wouldn't have left the WWE. Yeah. I think if they'd have treated Cody better, then he would have stayed. And I think, I think Dustin would have stayed as well. Yes. But you know, instead of, of yeah, instead of having Dustin and our truth playing Pokemon, you know, which don't get me wrong, I laughed at it. Um, you know, because I like our truth and I think the dude is hilarious. Yeah. Um, you know, and so he could get away with that, you know, like doing well Pokemon Go, that was the the thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, okay, that's pretty funny. And because in our truth, who is he's older than we are, but the man has abs and he probably shouldn't considering his age and he is just in phenomenal shape the man doesn't age he looks no, he the doesn't. same he looks the same today as he did in like 99 when he debuted his k quick yeah and then he went to tna and he used his real name but it's like the dude doesn't age he, he looks exactly the same yeah you know um you know but yeah, I'm, I'm, we're, we'll, we'll go off topic. We tend to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I think that also shows, you know, how much we appreciate the sport. And so we can just segue from one thing to another to another and then manage to come back. Yeah. But this year when Dusty finally beat Flair for the title, and then it wasn't too long later, Flair beat Dusty back. Yeah. But it wasn't in a cage. It was just at a, um, just at a, like a house show in, yeah. I want to say Kansas yeah, was, City. Yeah, it was just an arena show. But uh but yeah, that was yeah, Flair took the title from Dusty. Right. And um you know what I'm thinking did Magnum or not Magnum, did Tully interfere in that match? Or maybe it was a match before that where he came in and he just took the steel chair and he just slammed it across Dusty's leg a few times. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then Flair, when he, he beat him with the figure four, but it wasn't a he submitted him. He the pain caused him to pass out. Yeah, and he passed out. Yeah. Um, and that was the last time Dusty was ever the world champion. Yep. Three times in a cumulative total of maybe forty five days as champion yep. across the yep. three reigns. But yeah, but yeah, that tour. I mean, I, I remember when it was going on, and and I was like, man, that's that's pretty big stuff right there you know because dusty yeah. said you know what people liked it let's take it on the road yeah so they were doing that tour and they were doing house shows and they were doing tv tapings yeah so you're talking about a crazy schedule but the um the next year is the next year when they started the, yeah the next year is when they started the war the first war games yes and uh, want to say they only had just the one, or let me see. Oh, no, it was, a, it was okay. Never mind. They also had, um, they it also went on tour, yeah. 
but looking through this and some of the names, um, wow. Like when you were talking about, um, uh, you know, the, them having mid-south talent and, um, uh, talent from world-class. Yeah. Chris Adams was on, uh, the July 4th, 87 show. It was in Atlanta at the Omni. Um, uh, Chris Adams defeated Black Bart. Black Bart with Skandor Akbar. Yeah. Wow. I did not realize that Skandor Akbar ever managed Black Bart. Uh, and the Freebirds against Ivan Koloff, Manny Fernandez, and Paul Jones. That's right. 86 was when the, the one of the other things going on was um, Jimmy Valley and Paul Jones. Of course, I mean, they, they had a few that just that lasted forever. Yeah. And um, that year was a the year they were shaving each other's heads. And right, right. Yep, yeah, because um, Pistol Pez Watley, when Jimmy not trying to insult him, but he insulted him. And Pez clocked him and then pulled some scissors out. He just happened to have on him. So it makes you think it may have been premeditated. Yeah. <laughs> and he, <laughs> just, just, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. you know, but he cut. He conveniently carrying scissors. Yeah, he is like, you know what? Oh yeah, I got some right here. And he, and he, yeah. cut, <laughs> he cut Jimmy Valiant's ponytail off. And, you know, and that's when he, he ended up changing his name to Shaska Watley. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, they actually talk, they, when Shivani's doing his, uh, podcast right now and doing those TV shows, they always play Shaska's promo so you can hear them because I mean, he, I mean, he, he's pretty fiery in his promos and yeah. you believe it. Yeah. Uh, now he's saying some stuff you probably couldn't get away with saying today, <laughs> you know, but yeah. you know, but you believed him and yeah. you know, well, um, at one point Valiant beat shaska and so shaska got his head shaved then manny fernandez during this whole series of the great american batches the raging bull turned on him he took the money paul jones was offering yeah there's always a here's a briefcase full of money uh, i've yet to see ever see a briefcase full of money i'd love to see yeah. one yeah me too <laughs> and he, he took it and he joined paul jones's army and then they beat jimmy valiant had his head shaved and of course i want to say i can't really say the blow off because they they never had a blow off but no it just kept that going forever yeah and they uh he beat paul jones at starcade and then they shaved his head and so everybody was a bald-headed geek that year that's what the year the bald-headed geek <laughs> Um, and, but that's when Paul Jones, uh, he was, he started wearing not really a cowboy hat, but kind of something similar, yeah, something similar to that. I noticed he always had that hat on like, yeah. all the time. Like every time you saw him on camera, he was wearing that hat. Yeah. And he managed, uh, he was already managing Manny. Well, all of a sudden they brought Rick Root in. They became tag champs. Yeah. You know, and you know, not a, you know, not a bad team. Um, no, I think they could have done more, but I think rude left over pay issues. He did. Yeah. And went to WWE. And so they had the, um, they had the title change that we don't have any footage of it because yeah, the, the phantom, yeah, the title, phantom change. title change. Yeah. And, you know, so, uh, but I think that's maybe the only 
title I ever saw Paul Jones actually manage somebody to get? I think so. Um, I think that's the only team that the only time he's managed somebody to a championship. I think he's had a couple of other he's had a couple of other guys, but they were already champions before they right. joined him. Um, but yeah, but that feud, I can't even think of when it finally ended. I think one of them had to have left the territory, like for good. Yeah, I think that's the only way. Yeah, that's the only way it could have ended because otherwise, I think they would have just kept it going forever. Yeah, and people were still buying it. I mean, I was a big Jimmy Value fan. Yeah, Um, every time they were booked on the card, they were selling. They were selling out. You know, arenas whenever they were booked on the card because people loved to watch it. Yep, and. Um, and the boogie woogie man now looking back, I'm like, he really wasn't that good of a wrestler, but that charisma is probably what got me to like him. Yeah. That's what really, that's what got him through. It's kind of like a, uh, kind of like a Hogan thing. So Hogan was not okay. In the States, Hogan was not a good wrestler. Right. Well, now in Japan, he was actually a really good wrestler because yeah. he didn't have any choice because he had to step his game up over there. Yep, and I, I remember when he got. Uh, well, I remember when Hogan got in a little bit of trouble because he, I think he was the WWF champion or had been the WWF champion, and but he was still with the WWF at the time. But he had done a tour of Japan, and he was talking about the IWGP Championship, and he's yes, uh, he oh, said God, the WWE what? title was a toy. Yes, he compared said the to the title was a toy, and the IWGP Heavyweight Title was the more important championship right which i mean at, he wasn't wrong but it's not something he should have said right <laughs> especially and, when he was the champion of the wwf yeah and vince mcmahon kind of chewed him a new one whenever he got back yeah and like yeah you can't really um can't really you can't bash the title <laughs> you can't bash, you can't bash the title that you've been entrusted to hold for the company that you work for Exactly. And I'm looking through, yeah, you're talking about the July 4th show at the Omni. Um, when Barry won them, this is when he beat Rick Steiner. I was thinking Rick Steiner's in mid Atlantic. No, Rick Steiner, like you said, they did the cross. They were, they were, they had became the UWF by this point. Yeah. Um, but they were starting that merge. And if anybody ever gives Vince McMahon a lot of criticism because of what he did with the WCW, when those guys came in, Jim Crockett did the same thing with the UWF guys. Yeah. He did the exact same thing. All of those guys got, they pretty much were brought in to do the job for the NW, you know, the, the NWA guys. Right. And they had Barry Windham beating Rick Steiner for the Western States heritage championship. Yeah. It's like, and then I remember because Barry went on the feud with Larry Zabisco over that title. And I, even as a kid, I always thought, why did they want this title? Uh, yeah. It's not, they, like, it's not like the world television title or the U.S. title. It's like, to me, it always felt like just a throwaway belt, just something they added on to give a guy a title that didn't have one. Yeah. And they eventually merged it with. Was it the U.S. title or the national title, or? But then they merged. I think, it, I think they ended up merging it with the U.S. title. I think they unified it with the U.S. title. Yeah, I'm yeah, not 100 sure, but I think they did. Yeah, because I think it was at one of the Starcades that they did that. Yeah. 
Just like um, they merged the UWF um, TV title. Yes. With the NWA TV title. That's because after that, they started calling it the NWA World Television title after it was unified with the UWF t TV title. Because well, Terry I, Taylor was the UWF TV champion and Nikita had Nikita. the NWA t TV title. Yeah, well, they <clears throat> well they had started calling it the World TV title when, surprise, surprise, when Dusty won it from Tully the first time. Yeah, but then as soon as then Dusty they, dropped it, it went, went back, back to, to yeah. Yeah. Just, but after after that unification match, like from then there it was, on, then it was it, again, yeah, yeah, and then it was the world television title, like from there on out. And but that Western state, it's like, why don't y'all even make that name? Y'all could have come at least a better name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a better name, honestly, a better looking belt. That was like, yeah, not, that was just not a good looking belt. Now, although I will say I'm glad when you're talking about a television title, I'm glad they didn't like put a like a, a television etched into the belt. Yeah. That probably yeah. Would've, that would have looked tacky. Yeah. But I still I still think the NWA world the the world TV title that they had that had the the like the reddish orange backing and had the uh, different networks the plates for the different networks. Right. I still think that's one of the best looking wrestling belts ever. Yeah. I always um, love that belt. And I'll be honest. And I know this is probably like an unpopular opinion. I'm not a fan of the big gold belt. I've never been a fan of it. I I'm a fan of the big gold belt, an unpopular opinion. I am not a fan of the original NWA world heavyweight title. Uh, you're talking about the the dome, what they call the gold dome, or something like that. Yeah, well, they it had, had the big the, silver dome in the middle. Yeah, and it had I'm the just, flags. Actually, <laughs> that's actually yeah. the one I like better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I like the big gold belt better. Yeah, so if anybody out there thinks that Joylan and I we just agree on everything, nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nope, not everything. Um, you know, but I, mean, I appreciate the prestige of right. the original title, but the design I just never really cared for. Right. Um, now the the Mid Atlantic belt that Buzz Tyler you know took off with that one I always thought was a cool looking um, belt, and just because it actually had all the states on it, then it had a couple other things. I think it actually had the state flags, you know, as part of. Oh, really? Yeah, it was actually a really cool looking belt. Um, the old U.S. belt, and you can see pictures of like Paul Jones, uh, Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair, back in the seventies. This big old Where belt, it was actually shaped like the United States. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, how, you got that the bend and everything. Oh, that one. Uh. Yeah, it's like, I mean, you couldn't like. It was one of those that they didn't. You know, people didn't throw their belt over their shoulder like they do nowadays. But that was definitely a belt that you should have carried on your shoulder because I don't know yeah. how they were without cutting their stomach all over pieces. Yeah. That, uh, um, yeah. But yeah. And actually just, um, yeah, going through this list of matches. I mean, there's a, a man, there's some good names on here. Uh, another tag team, which we didn't even mention last week, the lightning express, Tim. Horner. I forgot all about, I forgot man. all about the lightning express. Yeah. Tim Horner and Brad Armstrong. Yeah. Um, and Brad Armstrong is a very underrated talent. Yes, he was. And in fact, today, 
uh, today, I think it was Jr. on his his podcast. They were talking about uh, Bash '91, which I know we'll we'll talk about that one a little bit as well because Jim Ross he considers it one of the worst pay per views he was ever part of. <laughs> um, and in fact, you know what? I'm I'm actually going to skip ahead. I'm going to go to that one. Um, just to kind of go through why it was um, so bad. Because we went from 1985, one of the best wrestling cards ever, and then 86 with the tour, then 87 with another tour, and they were starting the uh, the war games. And then in 91, now, the, the Bash 91 also happened – right after flair left right yeah yeah because that's when he got into the uh dispute with jim hurd over pay and jim hurd refused to give him the uh dollars the yeah. deposit that he had put down because back then um every world champion had to put down a twenty five thousand dollar deposit on the belt right and so flair had the belt and jim hurd refused to give him the deposit back so flair's like so the belt's mine if you're not gonna get my money back then i paid for the belt so and then flair leaves and goes to wwf with the title because it was supposed to be uh flair and luger for the title yep and then flair leaves so then they turn luger heel with no real explanation they just turn you know they kind of he was kind of you know they kind of did the tweener thing before that was actually a term, but he was still at the time supposed to be the face against flair. Then they put Barry Windham in there and then have, you know, Luger basically aligned with Harley race, hit the pile driver and win the title. And that was the flimsiest looking cage. Again, another cage match for a world title. Yep. Um, And this one for no, for no reason. Yeah. There was no, yeah, there was no reason for the cage stipulation. Right. They just, they were just throwing, I think they were just throwing things at the wall to see what stuck. Yeah, well, the the original match with Luger and Flair was supposed to be a cage match, but they had been building right. up to it. Luger right. and Wyndham made no sense to be in a cage. No, there was no reason that, I guess they just kept, kept the stipulation because they had already advertised that it was going to be a cage match, I guess. Right. Yeah. The only thing I can think of. But then that was the worst looking cage I'd ever seen. It just, it looked like... Oh. A giant chain link fence that was going to fall in at any time. <laughs> I'm going to go back and actually watch that one just to to see you, how bad that cage go was. Back and look at that cage. It was just terrible looking. And the fans, the fans did not care. I mean, there was a pop when Luger won the title just because there was a title change, but not not even really a title change because it was it was a held up title. It was a held up title, and actually. They haven't. They hadn't gotten the uh, the new WCW World Title belt yet. The right. belt that they used, <laughs> I think, was the Florida Heavyweight Title. It was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they had to they they had to put a plate on it that said like WCW or World Championship Wrestling over where it said Florida. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> because they're like, well, the new belt hadn't come in yet. Um, yeah, what are we gonna do? But we got this match, so we're just gonna use the old Florida Heavyweight Title belt. Yeah, so Dusty went in his garage and found it in a box or something and, and brought it out and said, all right, <laughs> blow the dust off of it. And 
and um, this one, they also had the capture the flag scaffold match. I think that was the last scaffold match they ever had because the the guys were like not doing it anymore. Yeah, because it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't. It just wasn't a safe match to begin with. You see what happened to Jim Cornette when yes, you know, blowing his knees out, both knees out, falling from the scaffold. And he wasn't even at the top. He was like hanging underneath. Yeah, hanging underneath, and Bubba was supposed to catch him, but his glasses, dark glasses, you know, he, um, yeah, he, he couldn't see him as well. And I mean, I got to give some props to Cornette because I mean, I'm also afraid of heights. I wouldn't have been up there, especially the way he kind of, you know, went over the side of it and grabbed a hold. I mean, you know, for yeah. somebody who's afraid of heights, I mean, that's asking a lot. Yeah. And. Yeah, but yeah, blowing his knees out. Um, and what's weird about that, everybody knew that's how he blew his knees out. But like two weeks later, Rock and Roll Express were in a tag match against somebody. You know, remember how their finishing move was normally the double drop kick? Yes. Uh, well, Robert Gibson had his own finishing move. Occasionally he would pull it out. It was a step over toehold bridge. Um, he'd grab, grab the left leg and then step over it. And, you know, like he was almost like he was going to do a figure four, but he would wrap his leg around theirs around their, his left leg around their left leg, reach down, grab their right leg and then bridge backwards. And, and it would actually pin him. I've, you know, he's the only person I've ever seen do that move. That's a move oh, that wow. somebody, yeah, it, somebody should bring it back, but they did that in a tag match. And then all of a sudden Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton, they're running out and you know how they never, ever spoke. Well, Dennis Condry was on red and rights. See, they did that and they, that's how they messed up our manager's leg. And we're going to make the, we're going to make the pay for that. And everyone's like, no, he did it when he fell on down the scaffold, dummy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but you know, I guess they were trying to push this. Um, but yeah, speaking of the rock and roll express, they, they were actually on the Starcade night or Starcade American bash 91 card against each other. Yeah, because that's when uh, Ricky Morton was with the York Foundation, and he was going by Richard Morton. Richard. Oh, uh, of course, he didn't change anything about his look from his Rock and Roll Express days. Right. Still wore the same gear and everything. But he had the mullet. Just, yeah, yeah, still had the mullet. Just, I'm Richard Morton now instead of Ricky, so. Yeah, because they had Richard Morton, Terrence Taylor. Uh, who was the third one? trying to think uh thomas rich thomas rich yeah um but i'm thinking you know they could have had me and all of a sudden i would be steven yeah but but i'm trying to think because there's not not a lot of nicknames for joylan it's just a kind of (laughs) name already so i mean it's um yeah so you'd be out they wouldn't have you just because they can't change your name yeah yeah so sorry you can't you can't be in the group you know and if robert gibson had he been going by like robbie or rob maybe yeah. he could have been in it but he was already going by his full name so up oh, nope sorry yeah you, know, you, you should have thought about that before you know and by the way your real name's reuben anyway you know reuben kane why can't you use that that's a cool name yeah that's better than robert gibson yeah yes and you know but uh, so they had that match and then um this is one thing they're talking about Dustin Rhodes and the Young Pistols, which was Tracy Smothers and Steve Armstrong. Yeah. Yeah. Against the Freebirds, which were um, Bad Street, 
Uh, Which was Brad Armstrong under a mask. Yep, because Shivani referred to him as Brad Street. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. No, um, but yeah, then Jimmy Garvin and Michael Hayes. Um, yeah. What do you think about Jimmy Garvin going into the Hall of Fame as a free bird? Um, I didn't have too much. I didn't really have any issue with it. I Back then, like especially like the early 90s, I liked the free birds. Um, I, I like the original group, but I like the Jimmy Jam version too. Um, it was just, they were just a different, he just brought a little, I don't know, a little more flash right. to, to the Freebirds because, you know, they were kind of, they were that, you know, down and dirty team. You, of course, you know, Buddy Roberts was the technical guy, but then Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy were the fighters. And Jimmy Garvin just brought a little more flash to the thing, but I didn't, I didn't have any issue with him going in as a free bird. Right. And, I, and I'm thinking, you know, if Michael Hayes, who was the leader of the free birds, if he was okay with it, then yeah. yeah. And, it, and it was probably his idea. Yeah, I'm sure. Know? So um, why not? You know, yeah. if, the, if the leader said it's okay, who am I to sit there and say, no, you know, it's like, people who get mad at some of the stuff happening in star wars well yeah. if george lucas is the one who wrote it, if he wants it it's his story exactly <laughs> you know I was, I was looking at some of the match times the longest match on that card was not even the world title match the world title match only got like 12 and a half minutes yeah uh, to crown you know the vacant championship uh the longest match was the one we were just talking about dustin rhodes and the young pistols versus the Freebirds. It was like 17 minutes and 10 seconds. Yep. Um, I'm sure five minutes of that was the Freebirds entrance, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wonder which song they used. Was it Bad Street or was it the new song that Michael Hayes wrote? I can't remember, honestly. I always loved it when they came out the Freebird. Yeah. Uh, even though, I mean, I got to give Michael Hayes some credit. The song Bad Street, I want somebody to cover that song. Yeah. Yeah, because that's I mean, it, it it was a pretty decent. I mean, you could it it had a little bit more grit than a hairband song, but it could have yeah. probably passed as one. Yeah, um, I always liked the uh, the NWA during that time when they used like actual songs as yeah. uh, like the Steiners had um, "Welcome to the Jungle." They came out to that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I always thought that that was really cool. I wish, like, like now in AEW, like Tony Khan will just pay for the rights to for certain songs, like um, the song at the end of Fight Club by the Pixies. I can't, I can't ever think of the title. Uh, Cannonball. No, uh, not, no, that's the Breeders. Um, uh, I'll they have played to... it at the very end when all the buildings were were blowing up. Um, I can't think of the name of it, but uh, Orange Cassidy uses that as his entrance music. Tony like Tony Khan paid the uh, for the rights to do it, and then there is a um, there's a rock there's a heavier version of Wild Thing by like a um, like an indie band, and he paid for the rights to use it for John Moxley. That's right. Uh, because there was one of the local wrestlers here. Um, as soon as Moxley started doing that, he's like, 
thanks, John. Now I got to go get a new new song. Uh, <laughs> and and they may he may actually know the guy because Moxley he's freshly from Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. You know, so all right, I'm on the IMDb for Fight Club. Let me see. They they usually list the soundtrack. Um, okay soundtrack and you said it was by the pixies yeah all right let me find a song performed by the pixies because there's a whole lot of other bands i've never even i've heard of the pixies i've never heard of junk fairy i um, hadn't either yeah um uh, let's see you know tom waits heard of tom waits obviously let's see um Man, there's a lot of songs in here. Oh, uh, Where's My Mind? That's yes, the name of it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's the one uh, Orange Cassidy uses as his entrance. Cause... Okay. Um, but another one of the matches that's listed, well, actually, I'll, I'll talk about two of them. Ron Simmons against Oz, which... Kevin. Yeah. Yes. And, Kevin Oz. <laughs> yep. One of, one of his first many gimmicks that was just horrible yeah uh, i think we'll take a guy who's legitimately seven foot tall and dress him up like that and say he's oz yeah and i, I mean how what was this there was no seal you know there was there was no moving up the car that's not a main event gimmick it was no. never going to that's not even a that's not even a top of the mid card gimmick <laughs> and um of course, the funny thing is, it says he was accompanied by Merlin the Wizard, and then I clicked on Merlin the Wizard. It was Kevin Sullivan. Yeah, it was Kevin Sullivan. Right <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And later on in a lumberjack match, um, and I don't even know if there was a buildup for this, but it was Big Josh against Black Blood, who was, do you remember? Uh, I do not. Who was Black Blood? Billy Jack Haynes. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, and that neither one of those gimmicks lasted real long. But I'm thinking it was a lumberjack match just because Big Josh was being portrayed as a lumberjack. Black Blood was being portrayed as like a um, some the guy who actually drops the axe for executions, you know, an yeah. executioner. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, that didn't match, didn't even sound appealing. And I liked Billy Jack Haynes back in the day, but um, that dude has gone crazy. I don't know if you've read about him and seen some of the shoot interviews with him. No, I haven't. Yeah. He, um, he apparently, when he and Wahoo were in Mid-Atlantic um, around... 86 actually they were um they were in a program that may have been against the andersons for the the, the no rock, the rock and roll express at the time they were they were in a programs with somebody and apparently billy jack haynes he wanted more money and he uh started choking out like jim crockett or something oh, wow. he actually physically attacked jim crockett and so, yeah, he didn't last long. <laughs> you know, he, he was he was out of there. Um, and, and you know, that also reminds me of another, another tag team that I forgot about last week: the Kansas City Jayhawks, Dutch Mantel and Bobby Jaggers. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, but Billy Jack Haynes, he's claiming now that he was part of some kind of organized crime thing where he was a drug mule or he something. And the only reason he's talking about it now is because the statute of limitations ran out and, you know, so now we can't talk about it without getting arrested. And, but yeah, dude's going crazy, like really crazy. Um, I guess he doesn't realize that organized crime doesn't have any statute of limitations. Yeah. And, you know, the police do, but the mob doesn't. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, he, he didn't name names, but he said he was part of you mm-hmm. know, something. Um, of course, I think a lot of people just think he's just full of crap, <laughs> you know, um, um, an interesting thing is big Josh is actually Matt Bourne, Matt Bourne, who, yep. the, who played the first doink, yep. the original doink, the clown, the good, well, the evil doink, the, the evil doink, which is the yeah. best version of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Before they made him all, you know, cartoony and everything like everything else during that time in WWF, but yeah. They could have done a lot more with the original Doink. Yeah, they could have. And one thing about that, when he actually wrestled on the indie circuit, he actually maintained the name. Yeah. Which was very yep. surprising. You normally don't see that. Yeah. Um, but there was one of the Starcades, or not, I keep on going back to Starcade. Um, one of the bashes, like every match was um, a gimmick match. I mean, was it 92? Um, look, not sure. I uh, know it was '92. That was mostly for the uh, tag team uh, tournament. Okay, maybe it was '93. I mean, of course, I maybe maybe heading the wrong direction. I may have to go uh, back. Oh, that's right. It wasn't '93 because there was no bash in '93 or '94. Okay. Uh, and I think 95 was the next one. Uh, yeah. And by that point, Hogan should have been there. Let's see. Uh, okay. There was another tournament there, which I don't mind tournaments. Um, yeah. I don't mind tournaments if they're done right, but a lot of exactly. times it's like just, yeah. Cause that was the, uh, the tournament finals for the vacant U.S. title. Sting beat Ming for the title. And then... That was in the Hare Arena up in Dayton. Yep. There Uh, wasn't even a world title match on the 95 Great American Bash. The main event was Randy Savage and Flair, uh, just a one-on-one match. uh, Was that when Flair attacked um, Angelo Papo? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Um, because what was it? Was it Flair or someone was going to also going against Alex Wright and Savage interfered so he could end up having the match against Flair and he was telling Alex Wright, you know what it is with your dad? You know, yeah. you want to defend him? Yeah. Uh let me see. Um yeah, one of my I'm I'd have to go back and look for it again. Um one of them, every match on there was like a gimmick match. Kind of like um was WrestleMania two thousand, how there was yeah. only one match yeah, that was a side. Yeah. 
and that was the women's match, and it wasn't even that good. Yeah. Yeah. So they. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, Terry versus uh, the Cat. Yeah. And I think that that was basically a bathroom match. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Which I'm glad women's wrestling has come a long way since those days. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, if you ever get a chance to listen to the archives, you ought to hear the because that one we actually ran over uh, two episodes. Oh, okay. You know, and that one, um, you know, I even mentioned, yeah, I'm glad that they got away from the way women's wrestling was during the Attitude Era. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, ah, but, and my Wikipedia crashed on my phone. Dang on it. <laughs> um, there we go. Kid just came back up. But yeah, so those were the bashes back then. <clears throat> um, and, well, now, like you said, when the events, when they brought it back and it looks like they brought it back in 2012, um, I thought it came back earlier than that. Um, I think it, I thought it was like in the early 2000s, but I could be wrong. Let me look. I thought it might've been 2004. Yeah, it was 2004. Okay. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I did. I didn't remember seeing that. Yeah. Cause it was at the, no, the Norfolk scope. Oh, one of the original Mid-Atlantic places. Yeah. Because that was the card that had the um, the handicap match between the Dudleys and the Undertaker, where they had Paul Barra in the, the oh, conference <laughs> where, you know, if the Dudleys won, then they would bury him in concrete, and the Undertaker won and buried him in concrete anyway. <laughs> so it's like, I don't. And um, that was that was the uh, that's where Bradshaw won the WWE title. It's the uh, Texas Bull Rope match with him and Eddie. Okay. Wow, Texas Bull Rope match. Uh, you know, you don't really see those much anymore. Nope. Um, you probably because that cowbell probably hurts. Oh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now, what do you think about how they're doing the bash now? Because it's I'm. With it moving to NXT, I think it's actually getting more uh, prestige than being on the main yeah, roster. Yeah, I think so too. I think, um, I think, because I feel like Triple H has a lot of respect for the Dusty creations, and because that's why, like, uh, the Elimination Chamber was right. supposed to be that was inspired by War Games. Um, and then he actually got to use war games in NXT, but I'm actually liking how they do it in, in NXT. It's a lot better than the, it's a lot better than the pay-per-views that they were doing like early to mid two thousands. So those were just, I mean, they had a match or two that were good, but for the most part, they were just like glorified episodes of raw or SmackDown. Yeah. The, I don't, I don't know a better word for it than like the in-between pay-per-views, kind of like the way the in-your-houses were supposed to be. Yeah. Back yeah. in the day. Um, yeah. But, you know, treating, you know, the Great American Bass just like it's not... Just another show. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's really not doing it justice. And I agree with what you're saying about, you know, Triple H uh, having a lot of respect for uh, Dusty Rhodes and his vision. And I think Triple H, as much criticism as what people give him, you know, us included, I mean, and I think he's actually earned it. Yeah. 
the man does love and respect the business. He actually does. Because, I mean, NXT is so far for them to be considered, quote unquote, developmental. And I know they do have some developmental talent, but a lot of their people are world traveled, you know, wrestlers who have already honed their craft. Those NXT, the NXT shows are so much above like Raw, which is, okay. you know, their flagship show. SmackDown is generally a good show, but Raw is just, I don't understand how with the talent they have on that show, I don't understand how that shows that bad. I just don't, uh, I, it, I don't get it. I mean, I think that would have to come down, you know, to the, the writers, you know, the creators, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the bookers. Yep. And yeah, you can see, you can literally see Vince McMahon's fingerprints all over Monday Night Raw. Yep. And, and it's like SmackDown, you can tell he's not as involved. And I feel like that's why it's a better show. Yeah. One of the things I heard recently, and I don't remember where I heard it, um, was they're talking about Kevin Dunn. Because Kevin Dunn, he still has a lot of a lot of say so, a lot of influence. Yes. Um, and he does a lot of the writing, and it makes me kind of wonder, y'all might want to get, you know, some fresh folks in there, some fresh ideas. Kevin Dunn, I mean, he's he's paid his dues. And he's more than earned a nice retirement check, you know, from, yeah. um, but get him off the creative team. Yeah. I just don't understand this whole, you know, WWE philosophy of we're going to bring in non-wrestling people Yeah, to, to write a wrestling show. You, I yeah. mean, they literally bought a company that did the exact same thing and mm-hmm you haven't learned from that mistake. I, <laughs> I don't get that. I mean, Vince McMahon went from living in a trailer park in Havelock, North Carolina to a billionaire. Yeah. And now he's trying to go backwards. And, and it, well, a lot of their problem is they want to be bigger than they will ever actually be. They want to be, they're not satisfied with being the biggest wrestling company in the world. They want to be the biggest entertainment company in the world. And they, Stephanie McMahon honestly said that they, they are, you know, want to rival like Disney and stuff like that. And it's like, that's never going to happen. You mm-hmm. just, you know, it says, as Arn Anderson always said, it said, it says wrestling on the marquee. Yep. Stick with what you stick with, stick with what you know. Yeah. And Vince McMahon, he's even gone to the point where he doesn't even like them saying the word wrestling. Nope. And, uh, and you can't say the word wrestler. You can't say the word belt. You can't. It's like he's. It's like I own a wrestling company, but I'm trying to wipe out any semblance of pro wrestling in my show. Right. Even though it made him a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he made billions. You know, he made a, he made a billion dollars off the back of professional wrestlers, but he doesn't want to acknowledge professional wrestling. Do you remember when he was um, a commentator before it was finally acknowledged that yeah, he was the owner? He couldn't even tell you the wrestling moves. It yeah. was yeah, it was rare that he actually said. I mean, extremely rare. That he actually said a move. It was like ah, what a maneuver! <laughs> what a maneuver! Yep. 
Yeah. Oh, look, did you see that? What a maneuver. Oh. While everybody around him, like he would commentate with Jesse Ventura and Jesse Ventura is calling all these holds. And then Vince is always like, what a maneuver. And it's like, just say the hold. <laughs> yeah. your, your whole job is to tell the story. Part of the story is telling what hold they're using. And kind of an, um, kind of an irony that um, I'm assuming you've seen beyond the mat. Yes. You remember when the two guys, um, they were indie guys. Was it Mike Modest? Was he one of them? Um, but the two guys, they, they were wrestling for an organization out in California. In fact, it was the same guy who knew trained John Cena, ironically enough. Um, they had like a triad match, you know, like a dark match. And um, when they showed Vince watching it and they did something, he's like, oh, you know, um, nice to see a good wrestling move for a change. And I'm thinking, you wouldn't know the name of it. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> you wouldn't know what it was. Yeah, I mean, it was a good move, yeah, but you wouldn't know the name of it. And, you know, um, yeah, I'd have to go back because, hey, can you believe that? That Beyond the Mat is, what, 22, 23 years old now? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, my cause I let one of my cousins, I let him borrow it a long time ago. Yeah. I never, haven't gotten it back, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's all right. I mean, I, 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 I can get it again, you know, there's no big deal, but, right. um, you know, but as far as the bash, um, the show was, is it this coming Sunday? Um, I know they had, uh, part of, Part of it was on NXT this uh, last night. No, Tuesday night. They did part of it then. I think I think they're going to do do the rest of it like next week on NXT. I think they kind of split it up. Okay. Two shows. Oh, okay. So it's not like because I know NXT they've been doing like Saturday pay per views. Yeah. No, this one was actually just like a TV special. It was like their regular episode of NXT, but it was themed the great american bash oh there we go next week the great american bash date july 6th yep two days ago i'm behind the times um actually that's right because yeah tuesday i was actually still doing work because remember i told you i was um yeah uh, yeah i was going i had another episode planned uh with my friend randy couldn't do it because it, it just um just some work stuff going on like end of the month type stuff and mm-hmm. you know um yeah fun you know so uh always happens you know, yeah that one, that one particular thing that i end up having to do at home just because of the timing of when we get our information right then when it's due <laughs> people you know so it just it's just a timing issue you know unfortunately but yeah randy and i we're going to try to do something at a later date uh because our i think i told you our subject we're going to do uh, super heavyweights. Yes. Yes. You know, so, uh, and I think that'd also be a good show as well. Um, cause Randy, he's also, he's very knowledgeable. He's younger, you know, he's a little bit younger than we are. So he doesn't know about some of the history we do, but he's, uh, he's a huge wrestling fan and he actually did a fantasy camp uh, at the local uh, organization here, the Northern wrestling federation. He actually did their fantasy camp you know, and he actually knows a lot of those wrestlers and he's introduced me to some of them. And I've actually, I kind of know him, not as well as what he does, you right. know, but, um, but yes, yeah, some of them follow me on Twitter and on Facebook and now on Instagram and, you know, so, and I'm tomorrow, in fact, I'll go ahead and give them a plug. They're having, um, 
now that the these shows are opening back up again, they've been having shows in Covington, but now tomorrow they're actually having a show for free at um, Jake Sweeney. I think it's the the GMC um, dealership. Jake Sweeney actually owns a lot of car dealerships, but I think this particular one is going to be at the the GM uh, dealership at 85 West Kemper Road. It, it's considered Cincinnati. Okay. So it's for free, 6.30 Eastern time tomorrow night. And since it's like 15 minutes away from my office, guess where I'm going to be at 6.30 tomorrow night? <laughs> so, yep. Um, yep. And Saturday night, they're having another show in Covington. I'm planning on going to that. I'd like to take my son. Uh, he's actually not wanting to go to it because the dad of Burnett and wrestling. Uh, I think he'll still enjoy it, though. You yeah. Know, it just depends because it's also supposed to rain pretty hard. And driving down to Covington, because Covington from here is about 45 minutes, to 45 to 50 minutes. And doing that in the rain and having to cross over the Ohio River you know, yeah. long bridges is, you know, no fun in the rain anyway. Uh, and then next weekend, they are having another show in Fairfield. They had a venue they used to have their shows at. It was actually at the United Auto Workers Union Hall. And they had a show planned. I uh, was it? I think it was back in November. Okay. I could have the dates wrong, so don't quote me. But they had a show planned. And then the United, uh, the Union Hall itself was bought by someone. And, oh. um, from what I told, and I know it strange, it was bought by a Guatemalan church. And they had no interest at all in having a wrestling show, even though it was already booked and everything. And they said, uh, can we still have our show because we've already planned it and everything else? And they said, no. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, so they found another place. It's actually at a local brewery in Fairfield, Ohio. And because that that particular union hall was like their that was their biggest show every month. Yeah. Um, well, now it's kind of moved to Covington because uh, that that used to be one of their big things. But now they're going to this brewery. I guess they used to have shows there um, in the past, and they're they have some shows on like Friday and Saturday nights. What? when they're not in Covington or Fairfield, they have it at their training facility called bone crushers. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Bone crushers, the, um, the crushers are spelled the K. So if you ever look it up, you'll see that, um, the organization, uh, Northern Wrestling Federation is actually owned by Roger Ruffin. He's a former wrestler and former referee in the WWF. Oh, okay. You know, so, um, if you watch WrestleMania eight mm-hmm. referee that, uh, for the very, in fact, the opening match, uh, Tito and, and, uh, HBK, he was yeah. a referee. Oh, awesome. Yep. So he refereed a couple other matches. I want to say he was also the referee for Piper and Hart. Oh, okay. You know, so oh, um, title match. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, uh, so I've actually met him, you know, super nice guy. Um, you know, and he, he takes, takes uh, wrestling very seriously. And there is a documentary about the Northern Wrestling Federation. It's on YouTube. I have to, it's a, there's three parts to it. I'll have to send you the links or at least the link to part one from there. You know, you can, you know, it'll link to parts two and three. Right. And yeah, so I'm actually looking forward to it. And um, I've actually talked to some of them, you know, about having them on. I've actually had a couple of the, the talent actually come on the podcast. In fact, during the, the, uh, 
the two-parter about women's wrestling on the second part we actually had a, a wrestler her name is uh small and mean selena dean and she actually came on the show and uh you know we had a pretty long conversation with her about it and she was also talking about how uh this past wrestlemania of course the first night was headlined you know by bianca and um oh my god dude i am drawing sasha but thank you I'm telling, you, I'm, I'm telling you i'm going to start hiding my own easter eggs <laughs> how could i not remember sasha banks you know but, but she said yeah she's like do you think i was i wasn't crying during that match she's like i was just bawling watching that you know because she said women's wrestling has come such a long way yeah she's glad to see it and one of the other wrestlers a guy his name is uh noah gabriel his wrestling name is noah gabriel um and he actually was a uh like the commentator but then talking to him found out he i would say he's the mvp of that organization i mean because he does a little bit of everything because now he wrestles now he still commentates he does a lot of their it work he helps uh write some of the shows help produce and he just does a lot of, of course he helps put the put up and take down the ring and you know young kid he's 22 maybe 23 um oh wow yeah and you know, so I've had him on the show and um, I'm actually made some contact with some of the other ones and I'm hoping to talk to him again, some of them uh, tomorrow night, you know, at, at this event um, in this car lot. I've never been to a wrestling show in a car lot before. So this is going to be, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Yeah. You know, um, but I don't know if I'll be able to go to the show next weekend though, because, um, you know, my wife is having surgery Monday. Right. And so a lot of that depends on how she's doing um, by the time you know, that show runs around. And the next day, I'm taking my son to go watch the Reds. Oh, okay. You know, so having to, you know, kind of having to watch the spending because, I mean, even, even though I've already bought the tickets for the Reds, um, you still end up spending money on the parking. And, yeah. You know, we, yeah, we try not to buy any food there because, you know, that hot dog don't taste like it called, or it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't taste like $10. Right, <laughs> but it, you know that's what they're charging. Um, you know, but uh, in the meantime, you know, I'm going to enjoy the shows, and um, when it comes to the bash, now I'm have to go back and I just realized I guess I missed it, but I just thought about it. they did it on the anniversary of the very first bash, July sixth. Yep. Yep. And it probably wouldn't meet up to those standards as far as the matches. However, NXT, they always put on a good product. And I think one of the things that actually helps them, just like with the Great American Bash back then, they had their, their core audience, which was more or less local. Yeah. And with NXT, of course, it's very local. Yeah. And so they have that fan base. And I know they, they, they've been kind of bringing audience back in for some of those. And yeah when yeah i think this one had uh, i think this one had some fans that were um that were there i mean they still i think they've they've been incorporating more of a live audience into it here lately you know i did catch some of it because i, I had it on while i was working um but i couldn't really pay that much attention to it and i will say one of the guys in nxt i do like uh, but I'm a little bit biased because just because where he's from is Cameron Grimes. 
Yeah, I like Cameron Grimes. Yeah. Yep. Um, because he's also being billed as being from Cameron, North Carolina. Yep, that's right. Yep, same as the Hardy Boys, and uh, and I've always given props to the Hardy Boys because saying they're from Cameron instead of like a bigger town like a Fayetteville, yeah. well, it, it's like, and if if for people who are not from Western Kentucky, you know, well, look it up. It's like you know you're being from like Herndon, but then it's like, well, Herndon's too small. I'm gonna, I'm gonna claim Hoptown. Right. Exactly. Hoptown. Yeah. You know, well, they claim they still claim Cameron. Yeah. yeah, Herndon or Gracie or you know yeah. different things like that. Yeah. Yep, and um, I and I can't even say Crofton because Crofton's bigger than Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, because Cameron, I mean, is this little bitty town, and yeah, but they they stuck with it. Uh, them and Shannon Moore. Yep. All three of them, you know, they kept um, they they don't say they're from somewhere. They're like, no, we are from Cameron. That's where we're from. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and somebody else who's from there, they never acknowledge he's from there because he's not from Cameron. I think I want to say he's actually from like Aberdeen or Southern Pines is uh, Joey Abs. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, because my dad actually knows his dad and he actually got an autographed picture for me once upon a time. I've, I've lost, in fact, in my stepbrother got an autographed picture of Shannon Moore for me because my stepbrother is an electrician and he did the wiring for Shannon Moore's pool. Oh, that's cool. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, but Cameron Grimes, um, now he's being billed as being from Cameron. And yeah. you know, I think that's where he took the name Cameron from was from that. So I'm like, Hey, that's cool. Somebody else from that area. Yeah. You know, so, but anyway, um, I think we've about reached our end because it's about time for me to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so I know that next Monday I'm still going to, I'm not going to be able to do anything and so i'm probably going to i like the idea of us um pre-recording the podcast before i upload them and right. I, I think if you are available on thursdays and we'll definitely have to work this out with this we may make this your thing um you know possibly you know um you know and because I, I know you're you're a busy man too and you have family you know? right so, yeah we'll, we'll have to work out because the good thing about it being pre-recorded is we're not we're not held fast to a certain time right exactly you no know, so we will work out our schedules and i see at least one more show uh and i say at least i mean i actually see a lot more but at least one more show in the next week How right so uh just give me shoot me any ideas that you might have and i really appreciate yeah you doing this during no, no problem at all i'm having a, i'm having a great time oh yeah and uh and I know Kyle, he said he enjoyed the last show. Hopefully he enjoys this one because he, of course, I mean, he says it's set to download, so he'll get the notifications whenever it downloads. Right. Before we go, I do have to give a shout out to another podcast, uh, the Slop Drop Wrestling Podcast. I won something from them. They actually had a contest and I I, I sent you the screenshot of, or in fact, I also retweeted yeah. It was a gift from Manscaped. And I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. It was a gift from Manscaped. I saw that because they sent me a uh, follow request on Twitter. Really? And I followed back and it showed on their feed that you had won yeah. a prize from them. Okay, yeah. Um, you know what? Because I tagged you in the last time. So maybe they saw that tag and they said, okay, here we go. You know? And because, yeah, shortly after you tagged me, they sent me a follow request. Okay. Yeah, they, um, 
I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to their show. They sound like us. They really do. Just three guys, even with the accents and everything. <laughs> you know, um, they're out of uh, Southern Missouri. I think one of them's from Springfield, another's from Poplar Bluff, Missouri. But so the accents, I mean, they're genuine accents. And yeah. I think the main guy, uh, from what I can tell, I think he's also an Army veteran, maybe. So... Uh, so he and I definitely, will, you know, will have some <laughs> stuff to right. kind of swap stories and, you know, but yeah, their podcast, it just sounds like us just, and they've actually been also involved with the wrestling business too. So they oh, also okay. have more of a, an insider, you know, inside baseball type um, mindset, you know, but until we can do this again, my friend, thank you again for being on and it's been real. All right. I appreciate you having me, man. All right, dude. We'll see you. All right. Bye. Bye.